Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich Omis, episode 165. Hey, my riches, it's so great to be here today with you. Whether you dream of making an exit and sell your business one day or not, you should definitely aim to maximize your business value. My guest today, Justin Goodbread, sold three companies at a very young age, and today he helps entrepreneurs and business owners to create long-term value for their businesses. But before I introduce you to Justin, I want to invite each of you to join my Facebook groups, Entrepreneurial Marketing Success and Women Entrepreneurs Starting Out. Look for those groups on Facebook or go directly to the website eMarketingSuccess.group and WeStartingOut.group. I look to meeting you there. Justin Goodbread, CFP, CEPA, CVJA, <laughs> owner of FinanciallySimple.com, is a national recognized financial planner, financial educator, wealth manager, author, speaker, and entrepreneur. He has 20 plus years of experience starting, buying, owning, and selling businesses. Justin is a two-time winner of the Investopedia Top 100 Advisor Award and Exit Planning Institute Exit Plenary Leader of the Year. Justin's first book, The Ultimate Sale, was Amazon's bestseller, and in it he shows business owners how to create long-term value and accelerate growth in their company with the ultimate goal of selling the business for top dollar when the owner wants to retire. Justin already wrote the first draft of his second book, and he is on a mission to publish a book per year and reach 10 books before the age of 50. Justin Goodbread, hey, how are you? It's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to a conversation. Yeah, I've been looking for this conversation. I'm so happy you are here with us. I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now, and I would like you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today, and where are you heading? You know, what's passionate to me is trying to change the future hmm. for so many business owners around our country, in the U.S., and around our world. There's a, um, there's a study that I often quote done by the Exit Planning Institute yeah. here in the United States, up in Cleveland area. And exit planning is the idea that business owners are going to sell their business at some point. And there's a study that says out of the 5.6 million Americans who have small business, we call them entrepreneurs, that have small businesses, only about 4% of those businesses 
will set for what the business owner thinks they're worth. And that is amazing. That's an amazing statistic. Amazing. Especially when you think about for business owners, their largest single asset that they have is their business. And this idea that they're going to have this business that Sunday somebody's going to come riding in on a white horse and going to offer them a ton of money for their business just is not reality. (laughs) And so what I'm into these days and what my passion is, is to changing the narrative, changing the outcome for business owners so that whenever they desire to exit, transition the business to a team member, to a child, to whomever, that they are financially and emotionally prepared to walk away from their business. Okay, so actually, you're not focusing on just making the business right now and getting more clients. You work with them about the value of the company and about being able to sell it? Yeah, in order to know what to do today, you must know where you're headed, right? That's right. So there's a cartoon or the Alice in Wonderland, an old movie that Walt Disney did years ago where Alice is asking the cat, Chester the cat, where should I go? He said, he basically said, where do you want to go? She said, I don't know. And he said, and in that case, any way is possible. Hmm. What happens in business is we, we have a tendency as business owners to deal with the immediate fire, to look at the hot topic or the hot potato of this particular day. And we rush to the emergency only to find ourselves years later, destitute financially, or years later, hating the very business that we started. So Hmm. in order to know how to solve today's problems, you have to know where you're going. And so in order for us to help a business grow, in order for us to help it increase its value, in order for us to help what we say, our business owners, we want them to potentially double their net worth every three to five years. And you can do that through proper business strategies. In order to do that, you have to know where you're headed. And until you know exactly what you want Hmm. from your business, you're never going to make the best possible decisions in your business today. And if you would have to say, what is the main difference between a business that will be capable to make an exit and a business that wouldn't, what would it be? Yes, it's, it's easy. That's an easy question. That's like a softball pitch for me here. <laughs> That's why I am here. <laughs> <laughs> The answer to that is this, and it's a hard one to stomach, called owner dependence. The business is dependent, completely dependent upon the owner and the owner's mind and the owner's ability. The the owner is at the epicenter of the business. So if you're looking for the reason, the one thing, the hardest thing, the easiest to talk about, the hardest to do, the one thing that a business owner needs to do is they need to remove themselves, make the business owner, the person who owns the business irrelevant, build a, a dynamic team, a dynamic process, a dynamic systems, multiple systems to where the business can function and thrive without the owner involvement. Mm, Interesting. And you said that um, they should also be uh, ready in their mind. So you're also working with them not only to have this team that will be able to work without them, but to let it go. Absolutely. So I have started and sold three businesses to date. And I remember the first business I sold, 
Um, I'm young. I'm 42 years old. I think I was young anymore. Bill, <laughs> <laughs> um, you used to not think that was quite so young now because I'm aging. I'm like, man, 42 is young. Or I'm just a kid getting started in life. 42 my- is definitely young when you ask <laughs> me. I just have my first granddaughter. So 42 <laughs> is definitely young. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, congratulations, by the way, on that. Thank That's you. Awesome. No, so when I sold my first business at 22, I found oh. myself trying to figure out what's next. And the reason for that is, is I made the same mistake that so many Americans or so many business owners around the globe do. And that is this, our identity becomes our business. And if our identity is our business, then we do everything we can to grow our identity. And in growing our identity, when it ultimately comes time for me to sell it, transition it, perhaps leave it due to a death, a divorce, a disability, a disagreement, whatever ends up being that I'm going to leave the business. Mm -hmm. Whenever I leave it, then what is next in life? You know, someone asked me just today, I said, Justin, what is it you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I love to hunt and fish. I love to garden. I love to ride my tractor. I like to play the piano. I love to play the saxophone. I love to read. I love to do a lot of different things. They said, no, no, no. What is it you do for a living? And I said, well, that's not what you asked me. You said, who am I? So what do I do for a living? I do all those things. Oh, by the way, I also own three businesses. Hmm. Well, that's what I, that's important to you, right? I said, well, it's equally as important as the rest of my life. And so we business owners, we often find whenever someone says, what is it you do for a living? We talk instantly about our business and we forsake the rest of our identity, the rest of the, the actual person of who we are. You know, I, I remember whenever my, I remember when a dear client of mine passed away oh. on his deathbed, he said, Justin, I never regretted one day I spent with my family, but I do have a lot of days I regretted in the office. Hmm to the point saying that our business is not who we are. And so we have to prepare not only financially as a human, as a person, as a family member, as a a person in society, we have to prepare financially. But as a business owner, we also have to prepare our mind that we are not our business. Now, many people think we are, and that's one of the devastating points later in life. So we work with our clients to drive them to that point to say, hey, if you're going to reach this point in your life where you reach success, whatever that success term means to you, One of the things that I'm going to challenge you with is that success is not you, the business person. It could be, it could be, but for so many people, it's not. Mm -hmm. And Justin, tell me a bit about you, about your career. Where did it start? How did it happen that you sold the first company at the age of 22? (laughs) So I started my first business when I was 15. It was a landscaping business. We basically cut grass. And here in the Southeast of the United States, we have grass that gets really wild and woolly. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad who homeschooled us, in other words, back in, in the nineties, whenever I was in high school and we went to school at home and through this home education, they wanted my brother, my sister and I to learn how to work, to learn how to be business owners, learn how to be entrepreneurs. Wow. So they, my mom and dad who were not business owners, who are not entrepreneurs, invested their life, their savings, their resources, their time into teaching my brother, my sister, and I how to think like business owners. So we started our first business whenever we were 15. By the time we were 18, my brother and I were in landscaping. We're making more money than my mom and dad. Mm. And it was amazing. It was fun. It was... You did it together? Yeah, yeah. So my brother and I did the landscaping together. We bought our own equipment, found our own customers, serviced the customers, positioned it. And ultimately, we both went to college and we walked away from our business selling it for a small nomination point. So it was a fun little thing to deal with. After that, my brother and I started separate businesses. Um, He went into the pool Mm -hmm. business to build high-end custom swimming pools in in the summer heat. I went into the world of finance, and I started a business in finance, 
I sold it. I started a business managing companies and I sold it. And then in 2009, mm -hmm. I found my passion, which was teaching business owners how to double their net worth, double their net worth every three to five years. And you can do it if you work hard. It's not easy, but you can do it. So I began teaching business owners how to do that. And we started, we're now on three companies. So this, this world of business has been in my blood now for some 25 plus years and wow. I've enjoyed it. Wow. Sounds great. What would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that's listening to us regarding doing business and regarding customers? Yeah, so I would take it two different directions. Let me first say what's my best advice for entrepreneurs because that was part one of your question. And let's deal with what's the best advice for entrepreneurs as it relates to customers because that's part two. So part one is this. Cortez, the Spanish conquistador, as famously regarded as saying his statement, burn the ships or burn the boats, depending on which translation you want to read. And what he suggests, and I'm going to totally butcher the story, his idea that he told his men were to burn the boats because the only way to, back home to the families that you love is through the enemy. <laughs> and it was a motivational point that has been used now throughout our throughout generations. The idea behind it is as an entrepreneur, you're going to have to burn the boats. You're going to have to burn those things, which are going to hold you back from success, whether it be uh, pride, whether it be um, ambition, whether it be money, whether it be fear, whatever it is that can hold you back from success, ultimately reaching your goal, you're going to have to burn that boat and don't look back. Come hell or high water, you're going to charge forward. That's your job as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, because it's going to get stinking hard. It's going to get tough. You're going to get kicked. You're going to get bruised. You're going to have some rough days and you have to have the stomach. You have to have the character to weather those days. So you got to get all excuses aside and go forward. That's my best advice I give to entrepreneurs. Now, as it relates to customers, Woolworths, which mm -hmm. used to be a store here in the United States, had a statement that, that now Ritz Carlton has kind of modified a little bit and various other companies. And that is, if you care for your team, your team cares for your customers. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a team, then you have to care for your customers. So your customers are the lifeblood of your business. And, and most people, I agree with you, most people do not market appropriately in their business. In fact, it's one of the weakest areas whenever we go to appraise a business is the marketing approach. But the ultimately comes back to is that we often view the customer as the dollar bill. And I just don't view that. I view the customer mm. as the people that we have the honor and privilege to serve. We have the honor and privilege right. to serve our customers with whatever capability, whatever mindset, whatever skill set or opportunity service we provide. But as we go in, in order to serve our customers, we have to serve our team mm. because if you're a true business owner, you're going to remove yourself from the epicenter of the business like we spoke about. And as you do so, you're going to have some forward-facing people who are visiting those customers who you hope have the same ethos and character that you have within your position. So in order to care properly for your customers, you must care and you must create a culture within your business of one of hospitality because as you care for your team, they care for your customers. And that's the best advice. Marketing works. It does, hands down. Marketing works. But if you don't have the right culture, if you don't have the right team members who value the culture of caring, then marketing is not going to solve your way to the problems. And what is the one thing that is most important in caring for your team? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know if I can put a one thing on there. I usually don't get stumped on a question, but that one's a, I think it's vulnerability. 
<laughs> I think it's vulnerability. I think as business owners, oftentimes we do not allow ourselves to be vulnerable. We do not allow ourselves to be forthright. I've noticed some of the most successful business owners I have are very open, very open with their team about what they're feeling, how they're thinking, how they're moving, and they get buy-in. Um, I often talk about sports because I love to watch sports. I love to see players on the game. And Imagine if you have one player or two players who have the game plan, but no one else does. The team is not going to function to the full potential that they could. And the same thing, your team, you've got to create some vulnerability as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, to trust that team can grasp the vision and the outlook and ultimately the championship that you have for your business. And if you try to, if you're not going to be vulnerable, if you're not willing to trust, then you're never going to reach your full potential, just like a sports team won't. Hmm. Love that. You've got quite a bit of successes, and we'll talk about it in a minute. However, I would like to ask you to share with us your biggest, most critical failure with customers, the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most. It can be the entrepreneurial journey. It can be the selling the companies or whatever. But I want a concrete story about failure. I have lots of failures. That's the problem. I'm trying to figure out which failure I want to tell you about. You know, uh, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got lots of failures. <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> in fact, I was talking to somebody this morning. They said, man, Justin, how many mistakes have you made in your business career? And I said, man, if you can make a mistake, I have made it. I, you can, <laughs> I can write a book on mistakes. And they said, yeah, it's probably why you're successful. And I said, well, I don't consider myself successful. I consider myself blessed. <laughs> Whenever you're dealing with customers, customers, oftentimes the failures that I've experienced, the greatest failures with customers is lack of clarity, lack of communication, lack of understanding, lack of buy-in. Um, I can remember many times in my landscaping business, my very first business, whenever I would quote a price as a young person hmm. and not take the full scope of the job into consideration, Wow. only to then get frustrated whenever the customer paid me when I felt like I was due more. And hmm. oftentimes I would take and blame, place blame on customers or team members. And many times I still fail at this. I got to be honest. I would place blame on, on customers or team members when reality is everything rises and falls on leadership. And the reality is, is that if I'm going to be a business owner, I have to own This is where it gets hard. I have to own the mistakes, hmm. but I have to give all the credit to the team. <laughs> Think about that. I have to give all the credit away. I need to. They deserve it. Then I will get credit as people just say, hey, you're successful. You're the business owner. But the credit belongs to the team. Those individuals who are, bar who are, who are yielding their blood, sweat, and tears. But whenever there's a mistake, if there's a problem that comes about, it's because I, as a leader, did not see it, did not listen to my team, did not anticipate it, did not do my due diligence, did not prepare properly. And maybe that's where some training that I learned from many, from many uh, soldiers in militaries across our country, where they're trained to say, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, no excuses, sir, like my dad taught me to say. I got to believe that you, uh, when it comes to customers, the biggest mistakes I've made is, not, is, is blaming and not taking the responsibility for the problems that yielded. Do you have a concrete story you can share with us? Can you tell us about what you faced when you failed? 
The hardest one I ever faced, it doesn't was wasn't with a customer, but it was dealing with a business partner years ago where information was not accurate. And I made a decision not listening to my gut. Mm. And ultimately that decision led me into a seven-year lawsuit wow. that cost me over three hundred thousand dollars of money. Wow. It cost me a lot of pain and suffering. It cost me a lot of heartache, but it was also in that failure, it also became the greatest teacher. Sure. It was the mm -hmm. greatest time of opportunity. It, it taught me so much and um, it, it strengthened my marriage with my bride. It strengthened my relationships with my deepest friends. It strengthened my core convictions on who I am today and what I strongly believe. It strengthened so much. So I have a hard time with the term failure because we all fail. Everybody's going to face a different hard battle. Everybody will whether it be family, finances, health, whatever it may be, something we're all going to face something. It doesn't matter the failure. Mm -hmm. And I have a hard time focusing on a story of failure because it doesn't really matter right. the failure. Mm -hmm. What matters is, is how we respond to that failure. What matters is, is, is whenever we get knocked down, no matter what it is, that we get up, we grab the bull by the horns, and we wrestle it to the ground. It's like getting hit by a bully. When a bully hits you, you get up and you smack him back and you may get hit. You may be hard. You may have some butt uh, cuts and bruises, but that's what life is. Life is a bully sometimes. Mm, right. So when it attacks you and we go through these failures, if we major on the failures, we never learn from it, but we instead should major on the, the knowledge and the experience that came about out of that failure. So I have a hard time with one in particular story because there's so many. What I can tell you is, is out of every failure, there's come an unbelievable triumph. Out of every valley, there's come an unbelievable mountaintop. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. Hmm. And I hope now you will find a concrete story to tell us about the greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. And it can be anything else in business. I'll give you two. My biggest success is being able to take care of my mom and dad's money. Hmm. Um, and whenever my dad passed away unexpectedly to look at my mom and say, you're fine. We did it right. You're okay. And making sure that my own mother is cared for for the rest of her life. Hmm. That to me is the greatest success. It, is. it sounds terrific. And the second one, as it relates to a customer, I had a friend of mine years ago that suggested I want to sell my business. I want to sell my business. I said, okay, let me see your business. I jumped into his business and it was not a business. He had a sheet of paper with his ideas on it. <laughs> and I'm like, but he can't sell this thing. And we started working for a period of about six years. He spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees building a business. And he is very close, very, very close to being able to walk away from this business independently wealthy within about six years because he listened to the guidance of a team of people that cared for him and knew his final outlook. So we went nothing to now his success. Now, is that standard? Is that common? The success is solely dependent on the, on the individual. I would love to say the advice helped. It did. Um, success is one of those things that you can't duplicate. Mm. You can't ever duplicate success. Success is one of those things that each of us must strive and work and struggle and, and, fight for whatever that term definition of success is. So I've seen, I've seen lots of failures. I've seen lots of success, but no, no more success greater than be able to tell my mom she's okay. Hmm. I love that. Can you recommend the best, most effective technological or digital tool 
that's related to customer focus, marketing or sales. However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really works for you and helps you succeed and might work for and help other entrepreneurs as well. You have to have a, and I'm not going to name names, but you have to have a, an unbelievable CRM customer database, a CRM system. Well, there's a, there's a lot of them out there. I mean, Salesforce is the big 800 pound gorilla. Um, we use a system in the financial and the consulting world called Redtail, but there's a lot of them. A CRM is a customer customer database system, but you can't just have one CRM. You have to have a CRM built to where it is operational through flowcharts, through work models, through workflows. Most So many people I see in the world of business, they go out and they, and they engage with a HubSpot or Infusionsoft or MailChimp or whatever the term is that you want to use out there as a mm-hmm. customer management system, but they don't build it out. They don't make it where it's effective, customized to their particular business. They're not engaging their customers on a regular basis. The minute I realized through some of my colleagues how valuable it was to educate versus sell customers, my world drastically changed, drastically changed. So I think every business needs to have a CRM system and it's not just a a Rolodex on a cell phone. It's actually a true system that engages the customer's wishes, desires, ambitions, but also communicates with them consistently to nurture them to the point of not only a client, but a raving client to where they're in turn hmm. sending their, free, their friends, their colleagues to your service if it's so applicable. Hmm. I love this, especially because uh, one of the things that I did 31, I think, years ago was to uh, ask somebody to prepare a CRM for the business I was working in, although nobody had this term or knew this term yet. Neither did I, but the strength of being able to really uh, know your customers deeply. And when you're talking about a team, the ability for a whole team to be open and to see who the customer is and what he cares about, I think it's, it's very important. Absolutely. There are many factors that affect one's success. However, I believe that for each of us, there is one thing that really helps us to succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? The word no, the simple word no. For me, um, I've, my whole life, my mom tells a story about the first time that she realized I was stubborn and bullheaded is what she calls me. <laughs> and we laugh and joke. I have a great relationship with my mother. Um, she says one day she, I was sitting at the table at the dining room table and there was a bowl of olives on the table. I love black olives. And she said, she, I reached out. She told me no. And I looked at her and I disobeyed her and I reached out and she gently smacked my hand saying, no, 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 no. We don't touch that. So then I reached out with not my finger, but I reached out my wrist and she said, no, 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 we don't touch that. And I reached out with my elbow and ultimately I stuck my head in the ball and then she started laughing. (laughs) And so I've had so many people in my life tell me, no, I cannot spell worth a flip. And I can't even probably spell the word flip. I cannot spell. In college, as a, almost as a 4.0 student, almost a perfect SAT score, I, um, I failed English, my first failure ever, because I could not spell the words that I was having to 
write and compose. I, just, I can't see a misspelled word. Now I, I can do algebra in my head. I can run advanced calculations in my head. I have an unbelievable memory, but I just, my mind doesn't work to spell things. And my English teacher told me in college that you'll be dumb as a box of rocks. And I said, no, I will not. <laughs> so I went out and she said, what are you gonna do about it? So I'm gonna write a New York Times bestseller, watch. And she laughed and ultimately I have an Amazon bestseller, The Ultimate Sale. And I sent her a copy of that book and she she wrote me a little letter back. She suggested that's amazing. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I've had so many people tell me, no, it can't be done. It's never been done before. You can't do that. And whenever I hear the word no, my, my successes stem from the fact that I have too many people who've invested too much in my life, from parents to family to friends to teachers to pastors and uh, various people around our country who invested too much in my life for me not to give my best. Hmm. And so what motivates me is that little word, no. Hmm. Can you tell me about the book that you wrote? Sure. So our first book is called The Ultimate Sale. It's an Amazon bestseller in business. It was at the top of the charts for months. It was amazing. It was fun to watch. We even bit the idiot's guide too on their selling process. The idea being that as we as business owners have got to plan how we're going to build our net worth. And so the first book is called The Ultimate Sale. Then we have the first draft of our second book out right now. And And we hope to print a book a year is my goal. I want to have oh. 10 books before the age of 50. And if I'm going to get to a New York Times bestseller, I've got to, I've got to oh. get my name out there because I've got to prove my teacher that I'm going to have a New York Times bestseller. That's my goal. <laughs> so you can check out the book on Amazon. <laughs> Perhaps you won't need 10 books. <laughs> we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Um, uh, someone told me no, so I've got to prove them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And when is it going to be published? Uh, the first book's already published. It's on Amazon. You can look yeah. for my name, The Ultimate Sale. The second book, we're hoping it'll come out this by the end of the summertime before school starts here in the United States. And do you have a name already? I'm looking for some spoilers. I can't tell the name yet. Oh. Yeah, I can't tell the name yet, but I have the name. It's going to be a fun name, but I can't tell it quite oh. yet. <laughs> my final question, before I ask you what is the best way to connect with you, is my mountain question and as my listeners already know i always imagine this journey of marketing as climbing a mountain in the mind of the customer step after step after step first building the awareness and then the know like and trust and then building a leading brand hopefully going for the next brand or product At some point, I started to ask my guests, and that's what I'm asking you, whether they ever climb the mountain or wish to climb a mountain, or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? Uh, so yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> wow. Um, I live in East Tennessee. We live in the Smoky Mountains of East Tennessee. Um, and I live on top of a mountain that overlooks the Tennessee River, and I can see a mountain range outside of my house. It's beautiful and blessed. Wow. Um, as far as climbing a mountain, you know, there's lots of stories on, on mountains I use in my own life and my own podcast. You know, the tallest trees grow in the valley. They're typically not on top of the mountains, so we often learn the most whenever we're going through the hardest times of the mountain. Whenever you get to the mountaintop experience, it's awful lonely. I remember uh, two years ago, I went to Idaho here in the United States out to the Rocky Mountains, mm -hmm. and I went to do some hunting out there with the guide, and we rode horses in about 20 miles into the middle of nowhere. It was, it was absolutely amazing. It was a pristine wilderness, untouched. Um, no, not, you can't even have, you can't have any type of motorized vehicles. It has to be horses only. And they were just amazing to see the creation out there. 
And as we're in this mountain range, we're at about 6,000 foot elevation, which is not very high for the Rocky Mountains. And the, the guide who was with us on this particular trip, he said, gentlemen, we're going to the top. We got to go to the top. Hmm. We looked at the top and it didn't seem that far. I mean, you're looking in the valley, you look at the top, but after about eight hours later of sweating hmm. and aching muscles and just cut up skin from briars and stickers and being banged up knees, et cetera. We reached the top of this mountain and it was right at sunset. And at that particular time, happening, there were some forest fires in the state of Oregon that was blowing through. And we get on top of this mountain and we actually lived on top of this mountain for a week. Wow. We were up there for seven days. We lived underneath a rock for two days with rain blowing. We actually saw lightning beneath us. It was amazing. We were about 13,000 feet. We looked down beneath us and the lightning was going through the valley below us. We could see rain. We would be blue skies on top, rain beneath us. Rain was going every which, every which direction. And the guy looked at us and he said, are you guys having fun? And we were having the time of our lives. We're just a bunch of old country boys. We were having a good time. But at that moment, you got to realize that it's very very lonely, oftentimes at the top of the mountain. Mm. People would aspire to be at the top of the mountain. I can remember how hard, how much I wanted to get to the mountain. And trust me, when we reached the top of the mountain, the vista was unbelievable. It was amazing to see the creation that God has built. It's amazing just to see that out there. But there wasn't much up there. Most of the most mm. of the stuff, there was no trees, there was rocks, there was no water. Most of the stuff was down the valley because even though we aspire to be on the mountaintop, that mountaintop summit is so short-lived. It is so narrow. It is so small hmm. that before you know it, we had to come back into the valley. We had to go back to where the animals were. We had to go back to where the trees were, where sustenance was to live. So yeah, it's fun to climb the mountain. It is. It's fun and I'll do it again. I have some aspirations to climb some bigger mountains and I have some mountains in my, hmm. metaphorically speaking, in my own career, in my own family that I want to climb. But you got to remember that the tallest trees and the sweetest fruits in the valley, that's where the fertile soil is. And even though that we may be going through a hard time globally right now with the virus that we're dealing with as we're recording this here in May, even though we often get bumped and bruises at, at bruised at trying to deal with customers or trying to deal with our businesses, the sweetest days, the sweetest days are often in the valley. They're very short lived on the mountaintop, in my opinion. Wow. I love this answer. It's the first time that somebody dares to underestimate or not the mountaintop. I love that. I think it's beautiful. Justin, what is the best way to connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? Sure. So if you go to Financially Simple, Financially Simple, Um, it's a webpage, financiallysimple.com. If you want to go to Financially Simple, it's our portal that houses everything. You're welcome to connect with us on YouTube, on any major um, podcast venue. We have a podcast, about 300 episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the majors out there. Um, we're on social media. You can find our books on Amazon. We have courses. So Financially Simple is probably the hub that most people can go to. And then from there, we'd love to connect with you on social, right, social media. Right now, we're doing a special called Ask Justin. Ask Justin. And so if you go to financiallysimple.com forward slash Ask Justin, what we're doing is mm -hmm. we're compiling the questions as it relates to the topic of business. And our team of experts are parceling that out to be able to provide guidance and experience to business owners during this tough times that we're dealing with. So I would say financiallysimple.com is the best place. 
That's great. And we are going to have the links to all of these places in the show notes of this interview. And Justin, I would like to thank you so much for this conversation. I enjoyed it a lot and I learned a lot. So it has been a pleasure. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care and bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.